0: everybody and welcome to the enterprise sales development podcast brought to you by science technologies we interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights thanks for joining us this week hello everybody and welcome to enterprise sales development i'm eric quans from the cmo science today's episode is a fun fun one we've got best selling author Stu Heineck. And Stu has a new book out. It's actually really fantastic. It's called How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. And we go on a really wide-ranging discussion of exactly what that means, including a fascinating look at weeds and how they relate to business strategies. Of course, Stu is, um, <laughs> he knows of what he speaks and he spent ample amount of time doing research on this subject. This is a, a book that followed up his best-selling book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, which I highly, highly, highly recommend to everyone who's listening to this podcast. It'll really change your your view on exactly that meeting setting, appointment setting, and all the facets of contact marketing is what he calls it in his book. And of course, Stu's also been really well-known because he's a cartoonist for the Wall Street Journal and has been for the last decade plus. So he really comes at things from an angle that I personally very much appreciate, and I think you will too. Quick apology, there may be a slight echo on this episode when you listen through, but you can get past that pretty easily because the content and what Stu has to say is fascinating. So without further ado, let's get to it. Well, we're here with Stu Heineke. And Stu, it's been you know a while since we last talked, but you've knocked out a couple of books in a row. And you've got a one that literally just drops right now when this podcast is out, it'll already be out. It's called How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. Where did this come from?
1: I was going to be flipping and say from the weeds, but actually... I was driving down the Santa Monica Freeway much like the freeways you're used to in in, in San Diego and it was, anyway Santa Monica Freeway at that point it was six lanes of traffic going one way six lanes of traffic coming the other way back when the traffic used to move really fast it was all these roaring tires and you know um and then a 40 foot wide I roughly as I re- recall a 40 foot wide concrete median in the middle and I noticed as I was speeding by that there was this dandelion growing kind of a crack in the concrete median. And I just thought, it was kind of weird because we see this all the time, right? But this is not an unusual sight. But that one time, it really struck me. Um, And I was thinking, well, well, gosh, look at this. It's, you know, it's, it's just happily running its process. You know, you can see those happy yellow flowers and the happy seed pods blowing the seeds around, kind of bouncing around on this smoggy turbulence of the from the traffic. And it looked happy doing what it was doing. And it was just, you know, you could just look at it's making its living from a crack in the concrete in the middle of a freeway where no plant should take root. And and it didn't look, let's say, depressed, like It didn't look like it was thinking to itself. Well, this really sucks. You know, I thought I—I really saw myself as living at the beach. (laughs) It's nothing like that. And and then you know you look at the fact that well, I guess well first of all you might ask yourself how on earth did it get there? But of course we know how it got there. They have seeds that fly around and probe every possible opportunity to take root and so they find everything any place where there's a crack or I mean, they'll, they'll take root in, in our gutters here at home i mean i'm talking about the roof gutters so yeah. um they probe every possible opportunity to take root which i think is a pretty admirable trait certainly for business and and then finally it was significant that it wasn't a, a I don't know an apple tree or a petunia growing out of that crack. It was because those plants couldn't make it as a weed. Literally, they just they don't. The thing is, weeds have this really interesting way of being, and I, and I and it, and it set me on this whole course of discovery because I was wondering, well, what is how we we all know what it means to grow like a weed, but how do they do it? What's going on there? Is there a model, and is that model something that we could apply to our business and it, Turns out after all sort of from start to finish, yes, there is a model and yes, we can apply it to our business.
0: That's fascinating. And, and, you know, the metaphor has been around forever in a day and yet I've never heard anyone compare, you know, or do a treatise on a study of weeds relative to businesses.
1: Well, you know, you know, it's, well, I haven't either. And, um, and I find that actually amazing because because you know, there is that expression to grow like a weed. It's known all around the world, yeah, and it's, and it's present in every culture, I think. And yet, I, I I've seen nothing that that has been produced by anyone else that says, "Hey, let's take a look at weeds. Let's find out what, what are they doing? What, what are they doing that might be useful to us as business people?" And And so it's been fascinating to go through it and I'd say I would say one funny thing that that come, came up as a result of all this as I was researching the book, I thought, well, this would be interesting. I should check and see if there are any quotes by famous people about weeds, you know about weeds being you know a metaphor for growth and something to follow or or to to take wisdom from nothing. there was absolutely nothing. I think the closest was because it was all about. Complaints about weeds, you know, about how they, I don't know, they're, they're pests. And, <laughs> um, and I mean, the funniest one was it was an, anon- an anonymous source, but the quote was, give a weed an inch and it'll take a yard. <laughs> I was, okay. That's, that's clever. But Ba-dum-bum. yeah, but otherwise there was nothing. I, there just was nothing out there talking about weeds as a positive. I don't know, just as a positive model to follow for growing anything.
0: So you felt that it was kind of incumbent upon you to take it, take the mantle, if you will, get weed positivity, if you will.
1: Well, again, it was, you know, during that split second driving down the the Santa Monica freeway and noticing that weed, the dandelion, I I just thought to myself, that's unbelievable. All those thoughts occurred all at once. And then I thought, that's unbelievable. You know, I, I hope that because I was a much younger man then, I hope I can live up to that standard. Because, I mean, this weed just said, "Okay, I'm going to make a go of it here in this crack in the concrete in the middle of a freeway," and can I put? Can I live up to that same standard in in my career? And so I've actually been thinking about it a long, long time, and and now I can finally call people "total weeds" and they'll know what I mean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, give us some of the tidbits, the highlights, some of the most fascinating things that you learned in studying weeds and comparing it to business cycles, business strategy?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, the whole process, by the way, was um, I've studied weeds. I've interviewed a lot of people that were, I mean, for example, weed, uh, weed scientists. I, I never knew there were any, but there are weed scientists who help agriculture deal with weeds. Um, and botanists and, and gardeners. So that was interesting. Just what's the nature of weeds? What are they? Is it a species? I mean, obviously it isn't, but is it a special kind of plant? And I guess in a way it is, but most gardeners would say mm, it's just really a plant that we, we say is out of place. And that, that holds up for some weeds, but there are other weeds that are just, they're, they're just utterly alien and just an incredible force to deal with. So, um, so that was interesting. But then also, I interviewed a lot of business personalities, so Kathy Ireland, T. Boone Pickens, and then two four-star generals, Barry McCaffrey and and David David Petraeus, and people from the CIA, and lots and lots of, of business experts from all all from across the spectrum, all kinds of expertises. And and what I was looking for was, I, I guess again, it's do weeds have a model that that they fall, that they all follow. And, and if they do, would it apply to our businesses? And, and what I found was, yeah, I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes and they, and yet they all follow the same model, the same format for growth. And, and I think that's amazing. And I will, I will tell you that just, just the experience, cause obviously I own, I own a business as well. And just the experience of writing this book and, and then going back through and editing it. So really, really working through the, the the content. It changed the way I do business and it is growing my business as a result. It's really interesting. They have a, an amazing effect on you. You can see it when you, I mean, right now, we're, we're, as we're doing this interview, weeds are in full swing. So, you know, if you haven't mowed your lawn yet,
0: then That's for sure.
1: you're in trouble, you know? <laughs> But you can so, see what they're doing. It's 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 just amazing.
0: So tell me about some of the ways you did change your business to emulate a weed.
1: Well, I mean, one thing is weeds never do anything without an unfair advantage, right? I mean, the dandelion and the in the concrete median and I mean the crack, and versus having an, an apple tree grow there or a petunia. And and when I said earlier that they could never make it as weeds, one of the things I'm thinking of is they don't have a system, in, or or a I Maybe mean, better yet is a a set of unfair advantages and a process behind their seeding that would allow them to to spread like that. They, they just don't spread very quickly, but weeds do, and it, so one 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 obvious unfair advantage to let's say the most familiar of, of the the weeds, I think to all of us, the dandelion is there's no seeds. They just fly everywhere they're they just at their they're highly highly mobile and as a result they they just they spread everywhere and it, it i guess if you could say that gaining territory is analogous to gaining let's say market share for us mm-hmm. well then they're just masters at doing this and and so so that's totally totally an unfair advantage so certainly i have been paying attention to what my unfair advantages are and I'm always looking to cultivate more and they can be major things for me one of them is being a being for example one of the wall street journal cartoonists that's a that has been very useful in a lot of ways um and nobody not many people are going to be able to match it so that's a that's an unfair advantage but there are others that are just simple I mean just like if you go into a conference you know, if you're in the audience, that's great. You still get to network. But if you speak, if you're up on stage, that's a big, a big unfair advantage. You, everybody knows you then, and they're coming up to you. And makes the whole, the, the whole experience and the whole mi- mission of being at that, um, at that event, and and making it productive a lot easier. So there are a lot of I've, I've named just but two, but but there are lots of unfair advantages that we can that we can cultivate for our businesses, and and that's. That's that's one part of it, at least.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of applicability to, at least my marketing mind, around the spread of anything everywhere. Another slightly negative concept that has taken hold and frankly is everywhere in marketing terminology, and that's spreading like a virus. (laughs) Yeah. Not even the pandemic, you know, like ruin virality for marketers.
1: I'm so glad I didn't I didn't write the book <laughs> grow your business like a
0: virus. <laughs> but this this idea of positive word of mouth is probably another attachment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well what actually what we're talking about is is seed strategy in the book. And so and and it seeds are analogous to anything that causes people to become aware of us and from the intent to transact with us in some way they might follow us, they might do business with us. But you know, and you could think there I think of this there are all kinds of ways to generate seeds or, let's say, impressions mm-hmm. and and all of those, particularly impressions that's well, spread, obviously, that are highly mobile, kind of like dandelion seeds. So things that cause people to take note of it and, and talk to other people about it. So would be sorry to bring up the word viral, but so things that become viral <laughs> that that gain pass along because they're so fascinating. But there are a lot of things that we can do to to create awareness. And 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 that becomes an unfair
0: advantage. I obviously haven't read the book just yet. But did you mix in a lot of the strategies that you brought forward with contact marketing and how to get a meeting with anyone or get the meeting? Two of your previous books that I, I'm a big fan of.
1: Well, um, well, thank you for that. I you know, I, I kind of struggled with who who am I to write this book for one thing, uh, other than I'm the guy who drove down the freeway and notice the dandelion but who am i to write this book and and how what's the continuity or the just i don't know just what's the connection between using let's say formulating and using weed strategy to grow our businesses and getting meetings and well it turns out you know there's, there's actually a great line of uh line here and actually what i what i realized was that as a marketer i've been looking for i mean i create i create campaigns that's what i've been doing so those campaigns, in those campaigns, I've been looking always to create new unfair advantage. I mean, I've always called them this, actually, to create new unfair advantages for my clients. I, I did that with cartoons. I use cartoons a lot. And in when when I was creating direct mail a long, long time ago, when all, everyone else was sending out fake checks and you know all these th- teaser copy and so forth, I was sending out, or I should say, my clients, we're sending out these mailings that had a cartoon about you on the on the face of it. I don't know that that really sounds all that amazing now, but back back when I started, it was like, how did you, how would you do that? Yeah. How do you how do you pull that off? And and then what happens when you send it out? Because and then you know you have people like David Ogilvy saying humor doesn't work, people don't buy from clowns, all that stuff. But actually, it did work and cartoons, it turned out, were almost always the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers, which meant that they were an incredible engagement device. And and so w- when I created those campaigns, it created unfair advantages for those clients. Sorry, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I've always been creating unfair advantages. That is part of the uh, part of the weeds model. It's actually a fourth of the weeds model. So the, the entire model is they they leverage a fierce mindset we probably need to come back to that, but a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale. And they do it according to a process that is both ancient but it's really, it's well-honed because it's millions of years old, but mm-hmm. it's also absolutely alive and and dynamic because it's also ready to change at a moment's notice so that the weed can evolve around any challenge.
0: That changeability, changeability is a is fascinating, fascinating one indeed. But go to the the first point. Go to that fierce, fears, a really interesting effects. word to begin with,
1: and particularly about a plant.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, right. But,
1: or or a bunch of plants. But it is well. You so the thing is, it is absolutely odd to be thinking about weeds having a mindset or any plant having a mindset. But they're just they're a completely different form of life. And we are, we know that they don't have brains. And and obviously then if you don't have a brain, I guess you probably wouldn't why would you have a how would you have a mindset? And and in their case, it's what we observe and the way that they operate, and we can infer that there is a mindset, or let's say the the same effect as a mindset would have in our in our world. And so although they don't have brains, they certainly have a collective intelligence. They're kind of more like a the Borg. Star right. Trek. So, they, they have a collective intelligence, and when we watch how they operate, you know that if you mow down weeds, they're going to come right back. They go right back to their process, and they keep running it. And they, they they're not depressed by that, <laughs> you know. They're not they're not pissed off. They're not depressed. They're just they don't have emotions. So right. all they do is just start again. They run a process. They run this process that of theirs, kind of like. I mean, it's, you know, it's programmed into their DNA. So they don't really have to be trained. It's, I, you couldn't even call it instinctive. It, they just run it. It's a process. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a program. So they just run it. But anyway, so, so that mindset, I, I defined it as, as aggression and resilience and adaptability and urgency and persistence. And ultimately optimism because they do everything. Well, I guess it could be a little bit also tied to urgency, but if when we're optimistic, we do things faster, we do more of it. We devote more time to it. We get a lot more done. And that's exactly the way they act. (laughs) They're, they're just, they're, they're just absolutely productive in what they do. And so in that sense, if it's, if we can define optimism as the, the, let's say the, the absence of depression, they're not depressed. Right. No matter what you do to them, they just keep going as though they were they were optimistic.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting to apply, apply that, that term to, you know, obviously, obviously a, a plant.
1: Plan. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think that. And actually, so that's in the weed mindset, but, but you know, after finishing the book, I'm realizing, well, there's a little bit more to it. It shows up in other parts of the book, but they're also incredible collaborators. They, I talk about them sometimes as though they're, they're living, they are living, but they're thinking, <laughs> but, but they absolutely get the, the, the value and power of collaboration. When you see a, let's say when you see a dandelion in your lawn, you're not, well, you might be looking at one, but look up because yeah. they never show up alone. If it was just one dandelion, you'd pluck it out of the lawn and it was, it would be no factor whatsoever. <laughs> like your Saturday would be done. You, all your chores would be done. You just plucked one. But when you see one, look up and you'll see perhaps hundreds of them. And when you think about the fact that dandelions produce let's fifteen 15,000 seeds on average across a five to 10 year lifespan. And now you have a hundred, you have hundreds of them out in your lawn and they're each producing 15,000 seeds. You're going to have a really difficult time getting rid of them.
0: Um, It's a numbers game. (laughs)
1: So that's, I mean, so collaboration is a big, big part of their mindset, which is really cool because from a, Business standpoint that really leads us in the direction of, well, I mean, we, we have to collect. That's what a business is. It's, it's a group of, it's a team collaborating. And Mm -hmm. that collaboration really needs to, I mean, you could even expand it to society and politics. We're not functioning very well because of politics, or let's, I don't know, maybe politics have always been just, it's about dividing, but we're not functioning terribly well. We're not functioning optimally as a society because we're not. We don't appreciate that we can be collaborating with each other instead and and doing and doing and creating a lot more. So it it really that that collaboration is a really important part of the mindset as well. And I think one final piece would be if you watch how weeds operate, you can see that they don't well, they don't have emotions. And so I if they could talk to us, I think one of the things they tell us is, we don't have brains, we don't have emotions. It seems to us that your emotions get in your way constantly, and they do. So they and so they might say to us, if we could give you one piece of advice, we'd give you a lot, but certainly one would be deal with what is. That's it. Just deal with what is. And if you think about it, it's like it's like that stock market advice: buy low, sell high. It sounds really obvious, it sounds really easy, and it's and in practice, it's absolutely difficult to do. I mean it's so hard to do. Because you're you know because you don't want to sell your stocks when the, when they're going up, you want to hold on to them because it's, they're going to go up some more, you figure. But right. at some the point they stop that and the smart money gets out before that happens. and that's selling high. And when the stock market is way down, you think, oh my God, I don't want to put money into that. It's just like a losing place to put money. but the smart money is in there because they're saying oh, we want to buy in at the lowest part of the of the market we'll be patient when it, when the market comes back up it'll be but worth a fortune and so it's just really hard advice to follow but deal with what is 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 uh, it's like that's a bumper sticker that the weeds probably if they drove then they would have them on their cars
0: oh <laughs> well, they they survived <laughs> funny, the wheels <laughs> passing over them anyway so yeah. <laughs> well and and that actually, actually gives rise to this idea that weeds, w- most weeds my perception is, is that when they, when they settle, settle they're an organism that wants to build roots, go deep, like own a own a space, if you will.
1: Yes, um, they do. Uh, so, couple couple thoughts come to mind about that. One is they land wherever they land. You know that one dandelion landed in the middle of a freeway, in a crack in in the concrete, and and I've seen I've seen them grow out of in places where there isn't even soil. <laughs> So they don't get to control the the conditions that they grow in. They don't really have much of it. They don't have any impact on that. But we can we we can actually do a lot to make or create conditions that are more favorable for our growth. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of a, that's actually soil strategy in the weeds model.
0: Studying this organism that just is arguably more adaptable than other relevant organisms in that given space. You know, like your your point. point. You, can't you can't grow vegetables, you can't grow, you can't grow roses. roses, you can't grow like geraniums in the middle of a freeway intersection. It just doesn't work.
1: Yeah. Um, and well, you couldn't grow weeds there if it was the intersection, you couldn't grow weeds there either. <laughs> They'd get trampled eventually. but but in the median and the concrete, I mean in that crack or wherever else they might land, wherever they land and take root, that's where they're going to make their living. And, right, and they just they just make it work, and and I think that's that's a, a wonderful. There's just a lot of wonderful things to emulate in our businesses.
0: So it's that make it work attitude that you would say is really something to pull out of this out of metaphorical weeds. lesson.
1: Yeah, certainly we're going to pull those out of the weeds. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, yeah. Uh, I was trying to make it go. You, you, I think you're avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> Puns, but but we'll put one in every once in a while. But yeah, they they just make a go of it no matter what is happening, and that is absolutely admirable for anyone in business. And then, as I, as I mentioned, they've got this incredible mindset that again is something that's really required if you're going to be if you're going to be competitive in business, and mm-hmm. you have to have a tough mindset. If you don't, if your business if it doesn't have unfair advantages. There's really actually no reason to be in business. (laughs) I mean, a business without unfair advantages just really doesn't, doesn't, um, it doesn't even make sense that it exists. So it'll get um, rooted out. Yeah. I mean, it just, it has, has no roots. There's nothing, there's nothing holding it to the ground. There's nothing attaching it to the market, I should say. So, I mean, there, I'm, I'm on an island and, and so, and I'm in a little, a little tourist town called Langley, um, on, on Whitby Island, just a little bit north of Seattle. And, and so Langley's a really beautiful, cute little town. It's, you know, one of those sort of turn of the, not this past century, but before turn of the century, um, Main Street little place. And, and it seems like, you know, so there, there are galleries and there are some restaurants, but, you know, you see these businesses sprout every so often and they come in and they're selling well if they're selling curios i guess the the, the tourists might buy them although if they're not coming in the winter time if they're only coming in the summertime let's say not a really good business you know that's an unfair advantage or disadvantage i should say but the ones that are selling something like well curios would be a good example but also they're selling let's say i don't know scented soaps and incense something like that there's really, I, I guess, some people like scented soaps and, and incense, but there really is no reason for that business to exist. And as soon as there is any disruption in the marketplace, it's gone. And you see these, you ter- see a lot of turnover of those shops, yeah, just in our little village. But there's just there's nothing. There are no roots down. There's nothing holding it to the market.
0: Well, switching gears a little bit, your, your past books really, I think, treatises Jesus. on. It's everything in the title, how to get a meeting with anyone, get the meeting, you know, kind of prospecting Bibles, if you will, for folks that are looking to start conversations or to translate here, how do I spread? How do I spread ideas, awareness, familiarity, and then ultimately get the customers that I want to find my business so I can settle into that and, and and build my own form of roots?
1: Yeah, well, so... Getting meetings is well, the, the two books are about getting meetings with anyone, how, how to get a meeting with anyone. And what I describe in those books is are these methods that I called contact marketing. I, we have to call it something. So yeah. it's contact marketing, but but these methods for reaching out in some, let's say effective ways, but often some pretty, pretty novel ways to break through to people that could change everything about the scale of your business or your career. And and so what are those? But and I, I, actually, I'm, I, before I ask that question, if you bring something like, let's say, I'm, I use cartoons in that mission, and the cartoons get a lot of attention. And when when I send them, if if we're if it's if we're sending it to someone that has a, an executive assistant, then I'm always asking the the client's reps to call ahead and say, "Hi, I'm so and so, and I'm calling because I'm sending a print of a cartoon by one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, and it's about your boss." Well, that usually gets the assistant saying, wait, what? Really? That's, that's cool. Um, and yeah, if you wouldn't mind, I would like it to be a surprise for your boss, but, but not for you. So would you mind if I send you an email with all these details and I'll give you my contact information as well? And usually they're saying, that's great. Thank you. That's fantastic. Okay. And then an email goes out and, you know, um, and you, you create this, this rapport with the executive assistant. So by the time the cartoon piece arrives, they're making sure that their boss gets it. So those kinds of things create these huge response rates. I mean, in, in contact marketing, we've seen response, we've seen crazy response rates. And Eric, I know you're a marketer, so I'm a little, but we well, we know each other. So, But I'm still a little bit reticent to say that we've seen response rates as high as, actually a little bit over 300%, 300 to 400%. And ROI figures, um, the, the record is 69,500,000%. So those <laughs> numbers are absolute heresy for marketers, you know. Sure. And, and it's like, well, they don't even make sense, but they do actually. What's happening with the 300 plus percent response rate is that someone came up with something that was so compelling that the recipient carried it around and showed it around and other people... Engaged with it and they said, Oh, man, that's so cool. Who is this? Who sent this to you? Can I get their number two? And so they, they expanded the reach of the, of, of the, the campaign because they, they were just, they were so enamored, so fascinated with what they received that, uh, that they showed it around and that, that yeah. caused it to, to get more response than it actually went out to and the number of people it went out to. So, so that's one. Then, then the 69,500,000% ROI came from a campaign that was, um, run by a, a dental a, a, a startup that was making a tongue scraper. And they were doing really well. They were doing great business online. They sold about a million dollars worth of product their first year. And then they decided it would really be great to break into Walmart. Not literally, but, but you know. Um, but it would be really great if we could get onto their shelves. If they would roll out our product in their... I think they have 6,600 stores or had. I don't know what they have now but but roll out our product all the way through their their network and the value of the business would change and our scale would change immensely so they were trying and trying and trying to get through and nothing was working so finally they ran a little $28 ad on facebook well targeted so it was the it was the address for the Bentonville, Arkansas headquarters, and then you know targeted by age and and education, with the intent that they would reach at least executives at at Walmart, if not perhaps the right buyer. I mean, if they're lucky, the the dental products buyer. And so within forty eight hours, they heard from from Walmart. It wasn't who they expected, but but a conversation ensued, and they're saying they were they thought it was had been run nationally, and they said no, no. I mean, Walmart thought oh my God, this this ad, which was really kind of obnoxious, it was about Walmart employees having bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> so Like, did you run this nationally? No, no, no. This was just targeted to you, just to your headquarters. And they said, well, Tash, you know, you're really pretty, pretty sophisticated uh, digital marketers. Yeah, we're pretty good at it. Um, Well, you know what? And then the next thing they know, they're introduced to the dental products buyer, and they buy a million and a half dollars worth of product the first t- first time out. But you know, when, when I interviewed the, the CEO, uh, I said, okay, so you just broke into Walmart and, and now you're being, you can be rolled out in Walmart. What did that do to the value of your business or of the business, do you think? So that's where, where we get, um, part of where, how we get to a $20 million result from a $28 contact ad. So, right. and you know, the, all of those things, though, th- ultimately we can bring this back to weeds again the realm of weeds which is these were unfair advantages and that's what i create for clients in in my contact campaigns um you know with the cartoon pieces for example are these unfair advantages to help them break through to the people who can change the scale of their of their business and uh, yeah so that's how it fits
0: do you think that a lot of people don't take advantage of, of their unfair advantages is it a lack of creativity
1: I think people realize that they have some. I don't think they realize all of the unfair advantages they have. And I don't think that they, they probably don't, a lot of people probably don't think that they have the power to create new ones or gather up more. Well, I would say cultivate more, really, but they don't, they don't realize that. Um, I think also they, I don't think they realize that that that's actually a key component of being in business. Successfully. And not only that, but, 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 um, I mean, if you're going to be successful in business, what that means is you're gathering up, uh, uh market share. So you have to gather that from somewhere that would be mm-hmm. other businesses. Right. And, and so you've got to be very, very competitive. That's why you need unfair advantages. The, by that, what I mean are advantages that your competitors will have a very, very difficult time matching. It's not really that they're unfair. They'll, they'll think they're unfair, but otherwise they're just, they're just competitive advantages, but they're kind of unbeatable competitive advantages, impregnable. So, um, so, and we just, we need those. That needs to be part of our strategy. If we're going around competing in any market, uh, and, and competing to pick up market share.
0: But you know, I got to say what's fascinating to me, especially about the two stories, you know, penetrating Walmart with bad breath and with, with the cartoons, really what you're leading with isn't the business and it's unfair advantages. It's more the person that you're talking to and something that's relevant to them.
1: Yes. But what I've, I mean, so as the agency, let's say, um, I, our provider of the campaign, I have given my client an unfair advantage. That campaign isn't unfair that campaign. I mean, you know, one of the, one of my fortune 250 clients told me that you know after we had, established business with them, they were saying, you know, we weren't getting through to our top accounts at all. It was like 0% response to our efforts. Mm-hmm. And I know then that after, well, actually they also shared, this is during lunch one, one day, they said, but, you know, your your big board campaign is is help, helping us get through to about 75% of the people that we're reaching out to. These are their top accounts. So they're getting, they're, they're penetra- it's helping them penetrate. 75 uh, percent or more of their of their accounts, and also to produce a 50 percent meeting rate. Well, those numbers, I don't know. I don't know what they sound like. They're off the charts, really. Yeah, if they if you weren't getting through it all, and then suddenly you're you're getting those kinds of numbers. That's really off the charts. So absolutely, we gave them, or I gave them, an unfair advantage as a, as a result of that campaign. And you know, my unfair advantage, I guess, is you know, I, I wrote those books. Right. I'm the yeah. author of those books. That's an unfair advantage. Who's going to match that? Or how are you going to match that? And then in my specialty, I mean, this, because I've always been using cartoons that, that was my contact patch with contact marketing was using car- personalized cartoons to break through. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists and I have a group of cartoonists and an exclusive group of cartoonists from the New Yorker in my group. I have an image bank of. About sixteen hundred cartoons that in, that all incorporate personalization. That's utterly uh, utterly unique. That's unmatched anywhere in the world. So those are unfair advantages that are yeah. hard to surmount. And th- that's not to say that people can't use all kinds of other ways to break through. I mean, that's what those books are about. There's lots of ways to break through. But but that one I kind of own, and that's yeah. that's a that's a big unfair advantage.
0: Well, and, and this ties back, at least in my brain, to the creativity that you bring to the table in getting a hold of somebody else. Because you are leading with personalization or something that would be relevant to the person or people that you're reaching out to. And that's at the center of these astoundingly successful campaigns.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's still, that's still you're right. I'm, I mean, what we're doing, here's what we're doing. We're creating value. I mean, we're not going to just do it by sending them a funny cartoon about I don't anything. I don't know right a Queen or something, but it's about them. It's very, very t- tightly targeted to them, and and I would say all of contact marketing needs to be tightly targeted to the to the targets to the target prospects, or you're not going to get through. But it's tightly targeted to them, and then it's done in a way that. I mean, with a twist, I, I like a gag. It's kind of like like a cartoon gag is a it's truth told with a twist. You know, that, so it's it, they still have to have a twist to them. And when they do, when they're audacious and they're they're clever and um and, and memorable, then it causes the person on the receiving end to say, I love the way you think. This is unbelievable. I mean, this yeah. is incredible. And so you don't have to be a cartoonist to do that. That was just one of one device I used, but, or one device that's been used, but because there was, there's a great story about a CEO. I can't, I can't reveal his name, but he was one of, he's not with us anymore. He was one of the most famous CEOs ever in our lifetimes, I should say, ever. And if you remember, um, Forrest Gump, he works for a certain fruit company. Ah. Yeah. He was the CEO, but. So this, anyway, this, the salesman was trying to get his software solution solid. He met with the engineering department and they loved the solution. They said, okay, next step, go talk to purchasing and purchasing wouldn't talk to him. And they thought, okay, fine. I'm going to go directly to the, to the CEO. And so he tried everything he could think of. And I mean, like faxes and telephone messages and um, stop, drop or drop bys, every letters, whatever, every, anything he could imagine, obviously emails. Everything you could imagine trying, nothing works. And so finally, one day, this box shows up on the front counter, you know, a plywood box says live animals has holes drilled in it. And I, I think you might know the story actually, but, but so, and, and there's a note that says to, to the, to the uh, CEO that says, Hey, um, I've been trying everything I could think of to reach you. Nothing's worked. So this is my final attempt that might have kind of swayed the. CEO, but just that, but this is my final attempt. So if you would open up the box and inside is a pigeon and on the pigeon's leg is a capsule and inside the capsule is a little slip of paper. And if you'll take that out, write the name of your favorite restaurant, a date and time, slip it back in the capsule and release the pigeon. I'll meet you there. So the pigeon came back with a a name of a restaurant, date and time scrolled on a little sheet of paper. The the the, um, the rep met with the CEO and he walked out of that lunch with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal.
0: Wow! <laughs> so
1: and now that's I wouldn't be saying that that's what you that's like that's the heart of contact marketing, but it's certainly an example of it. And and it's just if you do things that cause people to say, "Man, I love the way you think." Well, you, when you end up talking to them, when you end up meeting with them, it's not a cold call at all. I mean, it's they're they're saying. How'd you come up with this? This is great. I love this. Come on in. Come on. Let me introduce you to a few people. It's, it's, it's nothing like, okay, who are you again? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'll give you a minute. <laughs> you know, I don't know. If anybody, right. Right. So, so you can create this great, um, new unfair advantage in your business. Obviously that way or in your career that way. It, I mean, obviously if you're selling and you can't get meetings, well, then you can't sell. So it's, it's, it's a given. You must be able to get meetings. And when you have a way, when you've turned getting meetings into a superpower, now you've turned it into an unfair advantage. And you should read the rest of the weeds book then.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, you know, it's funny, like, I think there's a deep respect because it's so uncommon when we experience great concepts or marketing that applies to us. You know, and I say this as a sea level person who gets ungodly amounts of outrage on the daily.
1: Well, that's interesting because you are on the other side of this, and and certainly, I would say probably most don't get through, and then there are some that do. And and so I would imagine I'm going to take a guess, and you can you could tell me if I'm right, but I'm imagining that the, those who do have done it in a way that humanize themselves. Yep, they're not just somebody who just knocked one of the lots of people that are knocking on your door trying to pitch you Uh, and we all see this on LinkedIn too by the way and there's some people who just connect and pitch but also that then they brought they brought value so you you had this positive disposition toward them and they brought something of interest and value or relevance maybe timely relevance and okay you know what this one I'm going to engage with and then if they you know if they happen to bring if they happen to send something that I don't, I don't know your um your hobbies but let's say if you were i don't know if you were a skier or surfer a surfer okay if they send sex wax <laughs> something
0: like that seriously
1: <laughs> yeah then they, they, you can know, have like i'm one of you we're, yeah. we're yeah. from the same tribe <laughs> something like that
0: or at the very least you did your homework you paid attention you are human and you gave a gift, and now I'm in a reciprocal state of mind.
1: Yeah, and I think you know. For those of us who don't know, I'm not a surfer, but I know what sex wax. I should explain yeah. that sex wax is just a funny named product that is wax that helps you rub on the surfboard that gives you much better grip.
0: That's all. That's it exactly is. right. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> and and surfers are always like we we always run out of wax, so <laughs> it's a never ending kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would be, you know, a little nuts saying the next time you go out, I hope you enjoy this and, uh, take some pictures. I don't know, something, somehow to relate to this on a human level. I think that's, that's really probably, I keep saying that we want our, our objective is to cause people to say, man, I love the way you think. But really what it is, is we just need to, we need to humanize ourselves to the people who are reaching out to. And if we yeah. don't, then we don't get through.
0: Boy, Boy truer true words, have words have never been spoken. been spoken. And then you don't, don't grow like a weed. weed. And you don't get all the benefits of being, you know, fierce and having process, and you know, leveraging your unfair advantage, and then you know, getting to that adaptability or changeability that you talked about earlier. Yeah,
1: it just they are. Isn't that interesting that they're all tied together? They are. <laughs> I guess, you know, I, I when I wrote how to how to uh, get a meeting with anyone I, in the very beginning, I said, you know, you might be wondering why is a cartoonist writing a book about selling, but. Fact is, I own my own business and anybody who owns their business sells a lot. And and so we 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 better get good at it. And if, if we are, then well, you know, we don't have to word have to have the word sales in our title to be selling. So I've been doing that my whole career and and then spun the yarn from there. You know, because if you can get meetings with virtually anyone, then your selling is going to get a lot easier and a lot more productive. So that was that one. And then and then, the, and then, how to grow your business like a weed? It's like, who am I to write this? Because I'm not, and I'm not an academic at Stanford. You know, I'm thinking of Jim Collins, you know, or or at um, Inside. So that would be Melbourne and I can't remember Kim and, and Melbourne. I think the, the authors of Blue Ocean Strategy. I mean, that's not who I am. So why am I writing a book about about growth? But the thing is, I'm. This is going to be a crazy tight or lash up, but as a cartoonist, we you know what my job is. As a cartoonist, it's to point out the truth. Yeah, you know, it's to, it's to give insights that you get right away. If you laugh, you're going. That's why when we laugh at things that, that we find funny, we, before we can even catch our breath, we're saying, oh, God, that's so true." So I've been after those things that are that are so true, and um, and you can express them in a cartoon, obviously, but. You better also be doing that. If you're writing a book, that better be true as well. So, uh, so that has always been my quest, and that quest about about weeds and about whether they whether they have a model, and if they do, what is it, and can it apply to our businesses, and has it been applied to businesses, and have have other people in business applied it and used it, and and grown as a result. And you know, it was just it was so cool to talk to people like, let's say, Kathy Ireland, who some of us will recognize. Or remember from, from SI, right? <laughs> but but others will um, others will know her from the branding that she's been doing the last, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. I mean, she's a I think she's a, she's a billionaire, not a centimillionaire. Yeah, she's she's yeah, absolutely. And, and and she's just, oh my God, she's one of the smartest people I've ever spoken to. And and she was telling me, you know, I've always felt like a weed my whole life. That's <laughs> cool. But um, but then You know she gave a great quote and one of the things i'm really proud of is those quotes i mentioned that i think i mentioned that i was researching and and i was looking for positive quotes about weeds and there weren't any but it was always these rants about quote i mean about weeds being pests by famous people and yeah so not useful for the book so so as i was doing interviews i was asking everyone hey now that we've spoken about weeds as a positive you know metaphor for growth what did, did you have any sort of quick thought that comes to mind about weeds and growth and business? And Kathy's was probably the best. So hers was that, that weeds grow faster than any business. It's in their DNA. And that's now on the cover of the book. So yeah, they it, it just, it's been amazing to talk to people and, and find out how much they've either felt like, felt the same way about, about weeds that, yeah, you know, there's something about weeds that I, I admire them. I see what they're doing. I hope my business lives up to this. To, to their example, because they're just relentless. They don't stop. And and they 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 do, they're always willing to do more work, should we say, than, yeah. than the, the other plants around them, which means that they get, they're the ones that gather up all the turf.
0: They also, they also seem very, great. to coin a uh, uh, word from Nassim Taleb, very anti-fragile, uh, which is uh, another yeah. business, like if you contain that as part of your business, you are... In a really good place.
1: Well, I would say I would say resilient and adaptable uh, also covers that. But in the weeds model, there's also the weeds model is eight levels of strategy to create unfair advantages. So, so one of those levels is is thorn strategy. And so, mm. you know, some of these weeds are not fragile at all. I Man, I'm I'm telling you, I have blackberries in my backyard that I've been <laughs> it's just I'm gonna I'm gonna battle with them the whole time I live in this house, and and um, and you know they come out bearing their fangs. Yeah, you know those 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 thorns, and they so there are a lot of a lot of ways that plants will protect their turf, not just gain turf and spread, but but they also protect their turf. And it's, it's just over all in all when you look at what weeds are up to, you just you can't help but change the way you do business and grow your business. But that's actually what's been happening to me
0: as I've been writing the book. I love it. I love it. I love, I love it. it, Stu. This it's has good been good. one heck of a discussion. discussion. I don't even know where the the time went for folks. In addition to picking up your new book, you can get it on Amazon or anywhere else you buy books. How do people get in touch with you?
1: Well, they can visit my author site. So if you know how to spell my name, I'll spell it for you real quickly. But Stu Heinick, S T U H E I N E C K E dot com. So if you come to my author site, that's my author site. First of all, there's an offer for the first two chapters for free. Come and sign up. Be get onto my list because there are a lot of other things a lot of great benefits to that. So visit my author site. By the way, if you can is is this on are we keeping the video are people seeing this or are they
0: Yeah, we'll we'll put the, it um clips up to YouTube.
1: If you want Oh, get that I t-shirt. love it. <laughs>
0: chief weed <lead> officer. <laughs> if you love get, it. get a
1: chief weed officer t-shirt. You can also get those at, at stewheinick.com. <laughs> and and then otherwise please connect with me on LinkedIn because and 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 mention that you that you saw this that you saw me on on science, on the science podcast with Eric, because that, that I'm absolutely going to be thrilled to to connect with you. So that those would be the two best ways.
0: I love it, Stu. You're so gracious. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You
0: bet. <laughs>